0: Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Let me take a moment to welcome you to the next hour and a half of What We Want You to Know About Current Events in Light of Biblical Prophecy. I have broadcast partners all across the world. They are going to join us and give us the latest details of what's happening. They're most of them hunkered down at home alone with their families because basically wherever we find them, that is the law of the land. You remember last time we talked with Ken Timmerman, he's up next. By the way, when you're confounded to your homes and you have opportunity to just sit and think, why not study Bible prophecy? You can go to my YouTube site, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today, There you'll find a number of prophetic teachings that will assist you while you're having to be away from everybody else to study Bible prophecy. And I'm putting up, and you'll get this through an email alert, I'm putting up a little 5-10 to minute report every single day on what we refer to as a prophecy moment, taking a short passage of scripture, giving you insight simply to encourage you with the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ in the time of the rapture of the church. Those will be available at our website for more information, prophecytoday.com. Well, let's go to now southern France. We know that Ken was traveling in Europe and ended up back at Southern France location where he has a a place there for he and his family to get some rest and recreation. Everybody okay at your place, Ken?
1: Well, everybody's fine, Jimmy. We have no problem, but I feel sorry for the people who are cooped up in apartments in inner cities, and they're not allowed to go out. And the French have become quite draconian with enforcing this voluntary confinement. Uh, There's nothing voluntary about it. They're giving out fines in thousands of dollars for people Mm. who go out multiple times without these passes or without good reason. So uh, they're cracking down quite severely, and there's no evidence at all, as we speak today, that it's having any impact on the spread of the disease the french are now saying that america is the epicenter of the pandemic and in fact the united states uh, as we speak today has thirteen hundred deaths over eighty five thousand cases but that's a mortality rate of one and a half percent the french have a mortality rate of over five percent Mm. and they had been under quarantine for two weeks so the quarantine is not working and it's not because they're not respecting it it's just not effective um, the Swedes are sending kids to school, they're allowing people to go to restaurants, and they have, uh, I think, 70 uh, deaths so far and 2,000 cases. So, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to see the way the big state parties want to expand control of the government over the people. And I'm quite astonished, having been in France for the past 35 years off and on. We lived here for 18 years in the 80s and the 90s. I'm quite astonished to see how passive the French have been in uh, accepting all this. Fear is a tremendous weapon to steer the people.
0: Well, it's a very interesting times in which we are living. Uh, Judy and I are quarantined here at Broadcast Central so that uh, we can uh, continue to use the radio to communicate to our friends across the United States and around the world and be able to have a conversation with you, Ken. It's so key. Talk to me about the Muslim extremists that are using this coronavirus to promote terror and hate across the country. This seems to be expanding, does it not?
1: Well, that's what they are doing ideologically, if you wish. You have radical clerics, you have the Muslim Brotherhood and ISIS issuing fatwas, calling on Muslims to produce human biological weapons, in other words, to infect themselves with a virus and go to non-Muslim countries to infect people. But it's, it's not clear at all that this is what's happening. First of all, there's no travel at all between Muslim countries or even Europe. And the United States, the air travel has been cut back to roughly ten percent at most of what it was before the virus hit before the pandemic hit. And so I think these are these are idle words these are this is a wish list on the part of radical clerics. They would love to infect the West and to uh, uh, you know spread death and destruction to us any way they possibly could. I just don 't think they 're going to be very effective at doing it.
0: Ken, from your vantage point there in southern France. Talk to me about the fact is this coronavirus slowing the world's conflicts or seemingly intensifying them?
2: Well,
1: I think for the time being, it's slowing things down because, you know, NATO and the United States and our allies in NATO are forced to reduce our military operations we've done that in iraq you hear very little about western military operations in syria the truce that the russians negotiated with turkey in northern syria that went into effect on march 6th still seems to be holding more or less there have not been massive violations of the truce while uh, that is going on of course You have Iranian-backed militias in Syria, surely with a wink and a nod from the Syrian government and probably from the Russians themselves. They've been moving up weapons and material and men closer to Idlib in the northwest of the country in preparation for a future battle. That battle has not happened yet. The other thing that's very odd, Jimmy, is that we just have not heard of mass outbreaks in refugee camps in Turkey or in Syria, and you would think that would be the first place that a pandemic like this would hit, Uh, and yet there hasn't been a huge outbreak. Perhaps it's because there's simply no travel between those refugee camps and infected areas. One has to wonder how this Chinese virus came about, how it left China, infected Europe, infected the United States, infected Iran as well, but essentially left almost all of the Middle East and Africa and Russia unaffected. Even Beijing was not hit with a virus. They closed down uh, Hubei province, where Wuhan is, but uh, Beijing was not particularly affected. They had some cases, but they were pretty much shut down. So it seems to be a virus that has very specific targets. Now, I don't need to say it was designed that way. I'm just saying in the way that has actually turned out to be operationally. they also say we're told that the virus dies out in hot humid climates. so that also could be a factor in places like you know the Persian Gulf and Saudi Arabia and Africa and Florida, uh, which does not have very many cases either.
0: very interesting the way this thing is following across the world and unfolding in different locations, as you just mentioned, both geographically and with the intensity of population as well. You mentioned Turkey. Talk to me about that. I understand there's some devout Muslim leaders there in Turkey who say they will defeat the Jewish plot. Is Turkey really standing up now to say all of this is because of the Jewish people?
1: Jimmy, there are always going to be uh, Muslim clerics in Turkey, in particular, but in Iran as well, who will say that any any calamity that befalls the world is a Jewish plot. Or an American plot. Uh, again, I just don't think they're getting a great deal of traction with this kind of conspiracy theory at this point. People are are more eager, with the uh, help of Chinese government propaganda, to point the finger at America. The Chinese have been claiming it's an American virus. Now, our State Department has pushed back against that uh, pretty intensely. But it's it's extraordinary to see. Chinese government newspapers, propaganda outlets pushing this kind of lie. Uh, They've had their correspondents in the United States, by the way, thrown out because of it.
0: I saw a very interesting headline, as I am a news junkie and look at all the news I can get a hold of, especially at this time we're not able to be as active as we'd like to be. But the headline said, friend or foe, and it was referring to Russia and Turkey, as they are seemingly butting heads over there in Syria, what do we know about that?
1: Well, it's, it's it's interesting to see what's going on between the two of them. And again, you know, as I mentioned, they did sign this ceasefire on March the sixth. That ceasefire has been holding. You know, they signed that agreement between two foes on the ground. They didn't do it between two friends. They did it clearly because their forces were facing off against each other in northwestern Syria. And I think both Erdogan and Putin wanted to avoid direct military clashes between their two countries. They also wanted to facilitate the defense relationship between the two countries. Erdogan wants to accelerate purchases of Russian-made S-400 air defense missiles, possibly buy the follow-on, the S-500, even more sophisticated. Uh, They're talking about buying Russian Sukhoi 57, I believe, aircraft, the fifth-generation stealth fighters. So they want to keep alive that relationship, but... They have this conflict of interest in northwestern syria and that has uh, brought them into the ceasefire and they're hoping again to prevent a military conflict to keep alive this other relationship which is economic and defense oriented
0: before we leave our focus there on syria talk to me about iranian back militias there in syria beefing up their reserves in order to be able to assist the Syrians in standing up against all the enemies of Bashar Assad.
2: Well, well, that's
1: right. As I, as I mentioned earlier, they're taking advantage of this ceasefire that went into effect on the 6th of March, where the two major parties there in the north, the Turks and their Islamic militias, uh, which include groups that were allied to ISIS, they are standing down temporarily, at least keeping their distance from Syrian government forces. So in this environment where where active fighting has calmed down for the time being, the Iranians are taking advantage of that and bringing up men, material, reinforcements uh, up into that area so they could eventually attack those Turkish-backed militias in the northwest once the ceasefire uh, falls through, and eventually it will fall through.
0: That's the voice of Ken Timmerman. He's reporting from southern France for us here on Prophecy Today. And Ken, thank you so very much for giving us your great insight. You've traveled the world. You know what's going on. You know many of the leaders that we refer to in this report. So we do need you on a weekly basis to give us your updates. Appreciate it. Hey, buddy, you and your family stay well there in southern France. We'll be able to talk, I hope, again next week.
1: You too, Jimmy. Be safe and and be healthy. God bless.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, David Dolan's standing by. He's got a Middle East news update for us. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
3: every believer needs to understand bible prophecy whether you're a novice or a student we are here to help you just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the prophecy bookstore There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general, and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents, to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C., and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move along with our broadcast partners giving us reports of current events around the world that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Thank you so very much, you listening across the networks that cover us here in the United States, and then on the internet around the world, we receive letters notification from many people in foreign lands, especially when we make a statement that may offend them in some way. They, they want to send us an email and see if they can correct our thinking. We appreciate all the emails, and it's uh, evidence that we are reaching out across the world. This time, we're going to be talking with David Dolan. He has a Middle East News update for us. Dave was a journalist in the Middle East, stationed there in Jerusalem, for about a 30-year period of time. We are so thrilled to be able to get a hold of Dave and get his insight. And in fact, Dave, unbelievable. It looks like Benny Gantz is going to join Prime Minister Netanyahu to form a unity government. Can you believe that? And what's the latest on information?
4: Well, Jimmy, not only do I believe it, but you might remember I was predicting this in early January already on a national emergency government. Then, because of the imminent threat of war with Iran after Soleimani was killed, the Al-Quds chief by the United States, and we all remember that the first week of January, uh, there was calls then for the postponement of the March elections and for Gantz to just join Netanyahu in a emergency government. That didn't happen. We had the elections. It came out with blue and white a bit weaker than they were before. The Likud a bit better, but still not quite enough, as we all know, to form a majority government in Netanyahu. So the calls began again for an emergency government, this time because of the coronavirus pandemic sweeping the world and very much affecting Israel. Benny Gantz finally bowing to widespread public pressure, for the formation of a real government. Come on, guys, there's a crisis out there. We have not only uh, Iran still, uh, you know, knocking at the door, uh, possibly taking us on, but we have now our soldiers falling ill from a virus. We have our hospitals filled. We have et cetera, et cetera, and a need for in actual government, and so Benny Gantz in the end agreed to that, breaking up his Blue and White Alliance, and Jimmy, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, but this was three different parties that formed together to form the Blue and White Alliance. It wasn't just one party, it was three that was before the first of what would turn out to be three elections in just over one year and blue and white was formed with the Israel Resilience Hosen Israel and Hebrew Party of Benny Gantz and in the end it fell apart and Gantz has agreed to take his i believe 15 mandates his 15 part of the overall total the blue and white god i know this is complicated for listeners the israeli system is a bit of a ballagon as we often say a bit of a mess but to take his uh, 15 seats or so and join with the likud to form a uh, emergency government with uh, apparently some of the other uh, parties joining as well but the people the opinions full show, are very happy at this development. It looks like Netanyahu will remain Prime Minister for the time being. Gantz will then take over after an unspecified, they're still working out all these details, but an unspecified period of time. Meanwhile, he's been elected Speaker of the Knesset Speaker of the Parliament. Benny Gantz has. So he has a high position, but he'll probably come in as prime minister later. And they're saying he'll soon resign as speaker and take over the defense ministry portfolio. But there's some resistance uh, to that. I won't go into all the details, but a bit of a mess. But at least it looks like in the next few days, Israel will have a government as the coronavirus continues to spread very, very rapidly, Jimmy, in Israel.
0: David, you're absolutely correct. We can get into the deep grass when we start talking about the election process, the political process there in Israel. But I thought you did an excellent job of helping us to understand, really, bottom line, there is going to be a government, a emergency government, a unity government formed and really the opposition party, blue and white coming apart, I saw that written on the wall long time ago. You can't have four former chiefs of staff, that's the highest ranking military man in the state of Israel, four of those men coming together and trying to stay together. I saw that on the wall written down, and of course that was what exactly did happen talk to me about uh, what's going on there in gaza looks like a imam has made the statement that the coronavirus is a soldier of allah uh, to harm the west and to spare the palestinians and the muslims now i don't think he got the last part right it's not sparing the muslims nor the palestinians but uh, they're all saying this is a weapon of allah to go against the jewish people
4: well, and Jimmy, that's a view that's very popular amongst the Shiite Muslims in particular. Now, Gaza is mostly Sunni Arab Muslims, not Shiites. But, of course, Iran has become their main patron in recent years, especially with the Islamic Jihad terror group that really runs a lot of the gaza strip hamas runs it overall but they have their enclaves and hamas of course is being funded and armed by iran so they're listening to what they're saying and they're saying as we discussed last week many of their leaders and their imams are saying this is the final world crisis that we've all been expecting that would engulf the world and lead to upheaval and chaos everywhere, and lead to the emergence of the uh, Madhi, the 12th Imam, they believe was occulted or hidden supernaturally in the Middle Ages, and he's going to return and lead the world to Allah and all of this sort of thing. So they share that same religious view, and in that case, they of course know it will kill Muslims as well. The virus is fairly non-discriminatory in that sense, but they don't care because this will lead to their ultimate victory. In other words, they're starting to proclaim all of the coronavirus uh, fatalities and cases amongst the Muslims as uh, martyrs. These are Shahids, uh, martyrs for the cause of Islam. Well, that's a rather warped view of things, but it's what they have as their view.
0: You know, it's amazing to me that the Jewish people need to heed what God's word says for them to return to the land in the last days when the Lord gives the Jewish people back the piece of real estate that he has promised them forever that the Jewish people were to come to that location. And I read a report out of, I think it was the Jerusalem Post, that made a statement in this last month, the month of March, 900 new immigrants have come into Israel in spite of the coronavirus crisis. That's an interesting development. It's also leading to a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Would you not say, David?
4: Well, Jimmy, it's interesting to note that the initial phases of this worldwide pandemic in the United States, it's hit the most heavily Jewish part of America, of North America, the New York City area, where Uh, I believe it's over a third of all the Jews in all of North America, that would include Mexico, are in the New York City area, and now it's uh, hitting hard in Miami and South Florida where there's a large Jewish community. So that's interesting. France, which has outside of the United States the second largest the grouping of jews outside of israel uh, is also of course being hit very very hard and being in new york city right now it's scary you know you're packed in there with millions of people into a tiny little area and when something like this happens Uh, It's a reminder of that fact, and you feel more vulnerable. And, of course, New York was attacked on 9-11. It's uh, a prime target militarily as well. So all of those things, I think, will combine when this calms down to cause a lot of Jews in North America, and in the New York City area maybe in particular, L.A., of course, another center of Jewish life being hit hard, to return to Israel. I think we'll see the same from France. Sadly, Jimmy, I think we'll see some anti-Semitism out of this. We've already had some accusations from some radical groups that Jews are behind this. of course. Whenever there's a scourge or a plague or a problem, it's the Jews ultimately behind it. And there's some saying that now, so we'll probably see a spike in anti-Semitism as well, like we need that on top of everything else. But Israel's suffering, there's uh, over 3,000 cases, over 500 just in one day between Thursday and Friday. That's a huge jump. There's 500-plus in the hospital. There's uh, soldiers now suffering, yet it's still a coherent society, much less dense in population than New York or France. And the number two in the health ministry said on Friday, Jimmy, quote, it's not as bad as we feared it would be. So it's bad, and they're talking about by Sunday, Prime Minister Netanyahu said he may order a complete shutdown of the country, everything shut down, no food deliveries at all, this sort of thing, for a few days if the cases keep. I mean, that was an increase of one-sixth in just one day on Friday, so they were very alarmed at that, but still a safer place, a much less dense place, and it's a Jewish state, so at least they're all together in this, I think we'll see a big after this is uh, calms down a little bit.
0: David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East for us right here at Prophecy Today, so thrilled to have his report on a weekly basis. We need it to understand out of this key region of the world what's going on in the process of setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. David, stay well, my good friend. Thank you so very much. We'll talk again next week.
4: Thank you, Jimmy, and God bless, and you stay
0: well. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, John Rood's standing by, he has a European Union update for us. It's all ahead right here on
3: Prophecy Today.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, we don't know how long we're going to be here. The meetings that we were supposed to be involved in throughout the month of March and then into April have been canceled because of the lockdowns in many of the cities and or states where we were to be traveling. But radio is a great opportunity for us to communicate with you the latest information looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy to help us understand where we are in God's time and the next event, the rapture. What a blessed hope, that glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Well, that's why we want to continue to stay on the air with our broadcast partners. In just a moment, John Rood is going to join us with his European Union update. Let me tell you about a couple of items that would be found at my YouTube site, the YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash prophecy today and you'll find materials that will assist you in studying Bible prophecy should you be in lockdown as most of us are here at Prophecy Today. That'll be a great help to you. And I'm doing something else called a prophecy moment. You can call our headquarters, 423-502-7348. Give us your email address, and we'll let you know where you can go and find a prophecy moment. Okay, let's go to John. John, a couple of things really unfolding unbelievably there in the European Union, or what was part of the European Union it looks like in Great Britain, Prince Charles has tested positive, but he remains in good health as they are reporting. And now we just hear on Friday that Boris Johnson, he has tested positive for the coronavirus as well, self quarantine himself there at number 10 Downing Street. What do we know about the leadership, for example, of Great Britain and other nations there in the European Union?
5: Yes, well, Jimmy, this has been yeah hot off the press news that Boris Johnson as well is uh, has tested positive. UK Prime Minister has mild symptoms, and then Prince Charles has mild symptoms. But what uh, strikes me right away is that you know top world leaders would be classified as people that would take some of the most precautions and some of the most secluded, protected environments. And yet these world leaders are coming out with the infection. So it doesn't forebode well for the future in terms of other leaders. And then what if some actually became gravely ill? It's not a good situation
0: it is not a good situation. And at this point, you just have reminded me basically for we here in America to pray for our leadership, our president, President Donald Trump, and also for Mike Pence. Now, they are the elected officials. You may not like either one of them, but the Bible tells us in the book of First Timothy chapter 2, pray for those in higher authority. Very important. And for the other leaders of the world, as John was making reference to. John, talk to me about Russia's aid to Italy, and they did that before the European Union responded to this very troublesome time for Italy. Kind of exposed the European Union, did it not?
2: Yes,
5: indeed. Italy, uh, of course, is the epicenter now for coronavirus, and right now they are the leading country for the number of deaths they have surpassed China the european union was very slow and fragmented in their response to helping italy and so now we've had countries come in china has come in but as you've mentioned russia has come in with the the most aid in quickly it's interesting that they've actually used the military planes military personnel to do this so they've brought in fifteen flights to italy with the uh, military doctors and advanced uh, what we call NBC troops, uh, nuclear biological chemical. People are saying, well, of course, uh, this could be playing, you know, for some type of influence. Of course, uh, Russia has completely played that down. But it's interesting to note Russia is subject to EU sanctions right now on its banking, financial, and energy sectors, And all 27 EU governments have to agree and renew this every six months. So Russia, again, has filled in the vacuum that the EU has left open and could pave a way that the sentiment towards Russia would change and could actually affect the sanctions that are in place.
0: John, are the governments of the European Union scared? The coronavirus has... uh actually built back those borders that the European Union had demolished early on. Are the states there, member states in the EU, upset about this?
5: The EU borders have been pretty much shut down. I believe it's 21 of the EU nations in the the European Union that they have banned foreign entry into their nations. Then we have what we've mentioned in the past weeks is the Schengen area nations, which is 26 European nations, 23 of them are EU, plus Iceland, Norway, and Switzerland. So once you're in one of those countries, essentially you travel passport-free, border-free to any of the other countries. The EU, as we know, is really based in the treaties on open borders, free movement for people, goods, and services. But in crisis times, the EU... uh, quickly reverts back to the border controls. And so it does not give the impression of a strong EU, which, of course, they would like to give the appearance that everyone is working for each other. Uh, it's actually quite the opposite. It appears that most countries have been keeping their own resources for themselves when any anything in terms of a crisis hits. But uh, one thing I'd like to add here is that the EU is really no stranger to constructing borders, so to speak. There is a day once a year called No Car Day, and all of the European major cities, the capitals, you are not allowed to drive a car in the city, you're not allowed to leave or enter the city. And so in Brussels, this was quite a problem. At times, I had to get special permission every year just to drive into the city to go to church, And then one year I had to have intervention of the highest Protestant council for permission to go into church on that day. This has been in place for a long, long time. And so there's precedence for the EU. They know how to lock down a city. It's been done for many, many years.
0: Let me ask this question of you, John, and I just read this headline, wanted to see what your comments were. Tens of millions of Europeans seem to have a demonic view of Israel and the Jewish state. Are they somewhat blaming this coronavirus pandemic on the Jewish people? What's going on there?
5: Wow. Of course, there would be historical precedents for some similar things. Let's trust that that is something that doesn't build. But when you have percentages in terms of polls that have been taken, there's a series of polls uh, asking European people about their viewpoints of Israel. When you consider the percentages, yes, indeed, it does translate into tens of millions of citizens that take extremely dark views of Israel. And so uh, the percentages are astounding. You have 25% on a recent poll Disagree that Israel acts in legitimate self defense against its enemies. 27% disagree Israel is the only democratic country in the Middle East, which is an established fact. I mean, how? Then 25% think that Israel's politics are some way give a justification for people to understand that, uh, why people would hate Jewish people. So just absolutely astounding attitudes that are there. And one that's brought out is that the same percentage, twenty four percent actually think that Israel behaves like Nazis towards the Palestinians. And these these polls have been continued for for many years, and they they all give extremely shocking results. The thinking that Israel is carrying out a war of extermination against the Palestinians, the lowest countries that came in were Italy and Netherlands at thirty eight percent. And Poland came up with a high of 63%. Even a poll in 2003 said 17% of, it, of Italians said it would be better if Israel did not even exist. So this, this goes on and on. It's actually a good study to look and see some of these attitudes. Of course, these attitudes are extremely negative, and they could be compounded under the coronavirus situation.
0: And this sounds like a political precursor to what's going to happen in the tribulation period when Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 8 says that two out of every three Jews will be killed. At the present population of Jewish people in this world, that would be the worst holocaust ever to hit the Jewish community. Very important information. That's why we go to John Rood, who covers the European Union for us, He's lived in that part of the world for over 30 years. He knows what's going on. We need to have contact with him on a weekly basis. John, thank you so very much for the report. Stay well, my dear friend. We'll talk, uh, the Lord willing, next week.
5: Thank you, and let's pray for our world leaders and stay safe.
0: Very important report from John Rood, giving us a European Union update the problems they're having with the pandemic coronavirus situation and all that is taking place in that very important region of the world as it relates to their political activities that will actually be setting the stage for the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. Well, right now we're going to a longtime friend, a member of our broadcast team that assists us, our broadcast partners, of course. Coming to these broadcast tables and the microphones when we need them, this one's Mike Gendron. He has an organization entitled ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Now, Mike, if they indeed go to that site, they'll be able to get your latest newsletter and all the late information you may be posting on the site, right?
6: Well, that's correct. In fact, I'm about ready to release another newsletter all about what we need to be doing during this crisis.
0: Well, that's great, and we're looking forward to our conversation here in a moment. Let me check, how are you and your precious wife doing? Judy and I are somewhat confound to our home, but uh, we're trying to stay in line with what the government's asking us to do. Are you basically doing the same?
6: Well, yes, we are, but there's no better way to spend uh, time in quarantine than with your best friend. And (laughs) Jane and I are doing well our speaking engagements are being canceled, but it's good to know that radio programs still want to hear what we have to say. So it's been keeping us busy and writing articles and taking care of equipping the body of Christ for evangelism.
0: That is a great opportunity, taking opposition, turning it into opportunity. I love that thought. By the way, Not only is my best friend staying with me, the best cook in the world is here, and what better opportunity to be able to spend some sweet time with our sweet wives and enjoy uh, the delicious meals that they're able to prepare for us. Well, Mike, I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you, and we're somewhat going to focus on Revelation chapter 17. But before I do that, the focus of the world basically has been on Italy, and in particular Rome as the real hot spot for the coronavirus outbreak. Let me ask you, have you been able to monitor any of the activities by the Pope uh, that would possibly displease the Lord at this time?
6: Well, very much so, Jimmy. I've been monitoring it very closely because, as you know, that's the epicenter. And he has made some very bizarre statements, but this is very consistent with his seven years in the papacy. He is asking the Virgin Mary to protect the city of Rome and all of Italy and the entire world population. And this is the same thing he did the day he took office. He prayed to Mary to protect the city of Rome. He's also said that the coronavirus pandemic is nature having a fit in response to its environmental problem. And so he goes on to say, God always forgives, and we forgive sometimes, but nature never forgives. But it's really interesting, his focus is on Mary instead of Christ. In fact, he offered a prayer to the Virgin Mary for this crisis, and he wanted to entrust not only the city of Rome, but also the Roman Catholic Church. He chose to pray to Mary and celebrate the Mass at the Divine Love Sanctuary, which holds significant historical value because it was Pope Pius XII that went into this chapel to pray before the Statue of Our Lady in 1944. He pleaded for the salvation of the city of Rome as Nazi troops withdrew from Italy during World War II. So he's taking this opportunity 75 years later to ask the Virgin Mary to watch over the world during this current crisis. And so this pope continues to oppose the Word of God and the teachings of Jesus. And the only conclusion we can make, Jimmy, is that he speaks in the spirit of Antichrist. I just want to share just part of his prayer just to give you an idea. It goes like this. Oh, Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide help for us. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas. We who are put to test ask you to deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. And so, you know, as I looked at that prayer, Jimmy, the verse that came to my mind was, King David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 62, verse 6, he said, God alone is my protector and deliverer. He is my refuge. So Mm -hmm. if God alone is our refuge, then why is the Pope praying to Mary? But he's been exalting Mary to the level of godhood, giving her all the divine attributes of God ever since he took the office of the papacy. So this really isn't anything new.
0: It's not new and Mike let me ask you are not all of these moves seemingly enhancing the prophetic scenario that's found there in Revelation chapter 17 the false church
6: Well very definitely in fact on your programs in the past I've often spoke about how Satan will use lying signs and wonders to deceive the world and the Catholic church as you know Jimmy is really the catalyst for uniting the world together and it's no surprised then that a vatican professor said that everything that happens is for the triumph of the church and that the closer the punishment is the closer we will be to the triumph of the immaculate heart of mary he said that the solution to all of this is our lady of fatima and as you know our lady of fatima is actually an apparition site in portugal and these apparitions are supernatural visions and According to Scripture, we're supposed to test every spirit. And when you listen to what this apparition of Fatima has said, you can see that it's a tool of Satan. I want to just share real quickly, Jimmy, what her last message was. I quote, "'You saw hell where the souls of poor sinners go. In order to save them, God wishes to establish devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If people do what I ask, many souls will be saved.'" and there will be peace. Only I can help you. My Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And so, Jimmy, Satan is using this to bring about what you see in Revelation 17, the global church. These apparitions are said to be coming for all of her people, including Muslims. We know Muslims that are flocking. To these apparition sites now to get a message from Mary.
0: Well, and in fact, that's blasphemy, what they're really trying to convey to the world. However, Mike, would you not say that this pandemic is opening hearts and minds to be able to receive the true gospel of Jesus Christ?
6: Oh, most definitely. In fact, the world's population is dealing with this crisis from two different perspectives. As we see the number of deaths continue to rise, unbelievers are facing their inescapable mortality without any hope. Christians, on the other hand, have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Peter 1.3. Unbelievers need to know that it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. We see that in Hebrews 9.27. So Christians, Jimmy, as you said, we need to use this strategic opportunity to tell others where they can find sustaining hope for this life and the next. And I love what Jesus said in John five twenty four He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death unto life. So that's the message we need to bring to unbelievers they are in a severe crisis now because they have no hope, and they are facing the mortality head-on. So there could not be a more strategic opportunity to share the good news of the gospel.
0: Yes, amen and amen. Well, all that we are seeing, Mike, unfold with this coronavirus pandemic, including the global pandemic across the world, was what Jesus was talking about there in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, But this, which we see today, would simply be a precursor of that tribulation period. And it gives us great hope that the rapture, which happens before the tribulation, could really happen at any moment. Would you not agree?
6: Well, yeah, I think the shadow of Revelation is casting a shadow on the current church age in which we live. And, you know, people are panicking because over 22,000 people have died But when you read Revelation 6, we see that one-fourth of the world's population will perish. And then you read Revelation 9.18, and you see another one-third of the world's population will perish. And so if people think this is a severe crisis, they need to trust in Jesus Christ so they won't have to go through the tribulation.
0: Yes, indeed. And that's what we're doing on our radio broadcast on my little email messages that I'm sending out at Prophecy Moment, every bit of literature we send out encouraging people to use this to the advantage of winning people to Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that Mike Gendron's ministry, ProclaimingTheGospel.org, is doing as well. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for the encouragement and the information that you've given us here on this particular interview. Hope to have another one. Hope it's a different type of interview next time we get together. But thank you, my good friend. Stay well.
6: Thank you, Jimmy. Keep looking up and stay safe.
0: Well, we're going now to our economic advisor, Ron Murrow. He is a man 45 years in experience as it relates to the financial world. And we're going to ask him some very key questions. Keep the dial set right where it is. Ron, thank you for joining us. Hey, this stock market, Now I don't know much about it. I'm a neophyte, but I've been watching it. It seems the averages have been coming up this week. Why is that the case?
2: You know, Jimmy, the same computer algorithms that crashed the market with massive sell orders reversed the order over the last few days and began buying. You know, the market was responding to the Federal Reserve's shock and awe with an unprecedented five trillion dollars in stimulus which is a direct infusion of cash into the economy with printed money congress then provided an additional two trillion in bailouts for corporations small businesses and individuals you know professional traders call this a bear market rally typically these rallies will retest the low of the big plunge which happened in 08 and 02 after 9-11 a good analogy jimmy is a hurricane in the middle of the storm when the eye wall passes over it, there's calm, and it can feel like the storm is over when the back half of the storm is ready to come on shore. At this point, we have no way of knowing if that will happen, but Friday's late sell off may be an indication that it could happen again.
0: That's an interesting observation that you made. I love the illustration of the storm. Since I'm from Miami, Florida, originally, and we've had many of those hurricanes come through, and I know exactly how you're explaining that information. Talk to me about the coronavirus relief package from the Congress. You're seemingly saying to me, as I understand it, that's having an effect as
2: well. You know, the first congressional bill was just loaded with pet pork projects that had absolutely nothing to do with the crisis. Billions for Planned Parenthood, maintaining the Kennedy Library, bailing out the post office, and the list went on and on for billions. The second bill passed the Senate even had a $300 million set aside for migrants and refugee assistance, which only contributed to the crisis. But that one did at least provide for individuals and businesses. Now, keep in mind that all this money, $5 trillion from the Fed, $2 trillion from Congress, is printed money that will add to the already exploding deficit debt.
0: And Ron, I understand as it relates to this particular bill, $2 trillion worth of money being distributed out there, they're talking about using the digital dollar as a way to distribute to the U.S. citizens and the small businesses. Talk to me about this digital dollar. How will that operate?
2: Yeah, Jimmy, we've known about this since November 2019, that the Federal Reserve has been working to develop a digital currency, but we're shocked to hear that the House version of the congressional release bill package included paying people with it. So that is our indication that even though it did not make it into the final bill, central bank digital money is ready to go.
0: And this would be a quick way of distributing this money instead of uh, sending out a check in the U.S. mail. That uh, would be slowing down the process. But is this a wave of the future, the digital dollar as you see it?
2: Essentially, the digital dollar is an electronic entry on a bank ledger. And like paper money, it's only backed by the full faith and credit of the issuer. The digital dollar could prevent a run on banks and provide an instant entry to a person's bank account, give them credit that can be used through a credit card or PayPal or Apple Pay or Alipay. The infrastructure for digital transactions is called blockchain. is already in place. Just last week, uh, was used by China in over 100 cities.
0: Mm. So you're talking about it being international, is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes, it is, Jimmy.
0: Well, the Bible does call in the revival of the Roman Empire... For the new edifice, the Roman Empire revived. is have to be very similar to the old Roman Empire, and they had a common currency. Are we saying basically that uh, this digital dollar could become that common global currency?
2: Jimmy, the short answer is yes. Uh, last week, the Federal Reserve announced they were considering confiscating dollars coming from Asia because of virus germs on the paper currency. So a digital currency would solve that problem. You know, add to that, according to a report last night by a well-known economist, the whole system of paper money could change quickly to global digital world money. If the nations lose faith in the Federal Reserve's exploding debt, the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, already has a monetary system in place called the SDR, Special Drawing Rights, which is a unit of money made up of a basket of currencies, including the U.S. dollar, pound sterling, yen, euro, and renminbi, that could replace the dollar as world currency. According to the report, Jimmy, the switch could even happen overnight.
0: Wow. Wow, folks. If you're hearing this report, you must understand how significant it is where we're going prophetically from the Word of God. Ron, one of the reasons I think it's key to have you as one of our broadcast partners is to help explain this and help us to understand how that stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. You well at your home? Everybody okay?
2: Everybody's good here, Jimmy. Thank you for asking. We're sheltered in. We're out walking every day. We see a lot of our neighbors. We wave to them. But uh, yeah, everybody's healthy here. Thank God.
0: Be sure to remember Ron's blog. It's prophecytracker.org. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have one more broadcast partner to join us, David James. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at the Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for Prophecy Today, all of our operations are involved in getting information to the body of Christ and others who will possibly eavesdrop on our conversations and see how current events around this world are actually setting the stage for the prophetic scenario found in God's Word to be fulfilled. If you go to my website prophecytoday.com you'll find my poll question. It's on the left hand column. Scroll down. Here's the question. As the coronavirus pandemic is changing many aspects of our daily lives and the political operations of many nations, could this be how the Lord is setting the stage for the end-time scenario that is found in Bible prophecy yet to be fulfilled? That's the poll question. Love to have you answer it. It's on the homepage of my website, prophecytoday.com. And by the way, let me remind you, if you're at home with your family, you want to study something, get your mind off of the coronavirus, why not go to my YouTube channel? It's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. And by the way, when you get there, if you'll subscribed, when we put something new up on YouTube, they will send you an email to alert you that it's there for you to be able to view at that time. We have other materials, teaching materials, that will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy on the YouTube channel, even a five to ten minute program we're calling Prophecy Moment, looking at a passage of Scripture and looking for the blessed hope, the reality of of the rapture of the church. If you want to get that, you need to go to my home page, prophecytoday.com. We now bring to these microphones David James, and on this portion of Prophecy Today, on a weekly basis, David and I get together, have a discussion on what is going on in our world that may be confronting the church We endeavor to give you a biblical perspective on what the issue may be. We're going to do that again today. However, David, before we get to the main topic for today's discussion, I want to respond to an email that we received from a listener in Switzerland. Now, that's very interesting. Got those listeners across the world. But uh, his email was concerning our discussion of Jim Baker a couple of weeks ago. Let us know what uh, that email was talking about.
5: Well, Jimmy, sometimes we deal with an issue that gets quite a bit of a reaction. And in the case of Jim Baker taking advantage of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, we've heard from more people than usual who didn't actually agree with us on our handling of it. And this gentleman from Switzerland was concerned about how we deal with certain individuals publicly. And he also didn't like it that I referred to Baker as a criminal, saying that was in Baker's past. So while I agree that Baker did pay his debt to society and prison, he's still using the same tactic that he used before that to scam people. We aren't holding him accountable for the past. People can change, but we're talking about what he's doing now. And and even though we don't yet know the outcome of the lawsuit against him by the state of Missouri, he's had cease and desist orders from the FDA and the FTC. He's still making money with fear-mongering related to the end times and now this coronavirus. You know, I would say that this is morally and ethically criminal, even if not legally so. And also concerning dealing with certain things publicly, I think the biblical principle and pattern is that public sin should be dealt with at that level, if for no other reason than because of the widespread harm that's being caused. And we're also trying to warn believers to be on their guard against false teachers and false prophets, and that sometimes means naming names.
0: Well, I happen to believe that everything you said is absolutely correct, but more important than that, it's biblically correct as well. You know David it's unusual for us to deal with a single topic for 3 weeks in a row but given the coronavirus crisis i thought that we should continue to keep that the focus of this week And look at the situation in a biblical perspective, especially given that some of the things being reported and said across the media outlets and social media seem contradictory to biblical understanding. Talk to us about that.
5: Well, when I was in Uganda a few weeks ago, we briefly discussed the coronavirus in the context of events around the world that were causing people to ask if the disasters we're seeing are the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and we said at that time that no, that they aren't, even though they may be stage-setting. And at that time, we had no way of knowing where we would be today just six weeks later. Can you believe that? It's only six weeks later. At that time, the total number of cases worldwide was around 30,000, but that number is now quickly approaching the 600,000 mark and much of the world's in lockdown mode. Indiana went on lockdown on Tuesday and my wife is now off work from Indiana State University until at least April 6th. And with the changes in my international travel and ministry schedule, I've had some extra time to spend on this, including doing some writing and interacting on Facebook, where I deal with theological and practical issues in uh, some of the different forums. Now, last week, we talked about the wide range of reactions to the COVID-19 crisis from some of the extremes, but with most people trying to be balanced as they strive to make wise and prudent decisions going forward. But because we're in uncharted territory, and especially because this has become a global issue that's hitting our own country hard. Many do have a lot of questions about how to think about this from a biblical perspective.
0: Let's uh, talk about then what some of the people are asking and what others are claiming about what we're seeing happening here in the United States, and as you said, worldwide. For example, some are saying that this is God's judgment against this country because of turning away from a Judeo-Christian ethic and biblical principles.
5: Well, there was a headline on the Drudge Report a couple of days ago about a man named Ralph Dollinger who leads the weekly Bible study for President Donald Trump's cabinet members. And in a recent blog on the Capitol Ministries website, he argues that the present crisis represents an act of God's judgment, and it was one of the more interesting discussions of God's wrath that I've seen. And and as an aside, I think you'll find this interesting, Jimmy. From what he wrote, it seems that Dollinger is a pre-trib dispensationalist, and since then I have on good authority from someone with sources inside the White House that Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo are pre-trib dispensationalists as well. Uh, Anyway, getting back to Dollinger, uh, he says that there are three types of God's wrath, with two of them not happening in the Church Age, those being God's forsaking wrath and his cataclysmic wrath. Now, I've never heard of these terms before, so I'm still thinking about these categories. Now, the third type is what he calls God's sowing and reaping wrath, but I'm not sure that's the best way to look at it. You know, wrath happens when God intervenes directly, but sowing and reaping involves consequences due to sinful choices. So without direct revelation, I think we need to be careful about assigning God's judgment to something, even if his judgment is deserved. Uh, But we do know this, that disease and death are the consequences of living in a fallen world.
0: That much is certain. David, at the other end of the spectrum concerning the cause of the pandemic, there was another Drudge Report headline for an article about a Pennsylvania pastor who actually declared that the coronavirus is of demonic origin. What are your thoughts?
5: Well, in a sermon on March 15th, which was a couple of weeks ago, the pastor of a church east of Pittsburgh ridiculed churches that had suspended their services, and I actually watched that sermon last night in preparation for our discussion, and he talked about physical healing in the Atonement, saying that Jesus' death covered sickness and disease and tragedy and poverty, so the idea is that if you just believe enough, you won't get sick. Now, the article on the Drudge Report was apparently about a message he preached last Sunday, but that That message has been taken down from the church website and from YouTube, if it was ever posted at all. So according to the article uh, in that message, he claimed the virus was of demonic origin, and he reportedly said, if there is one person or two people, three people who may be carrying the coronavirus, we declare you healed in Jesus' name. But then on Monday, after a public outcry, this pastor apologized on the church's Facebook page, and that's still there, and the church has shut down all public services. And one thing I need to point out is that this pastor mentioned that there were only 5,000 cases in the U.S. on the 15th two weeks ago, but since then, that number has grown now to around 90,000 in just under two weeks. Now, the truth is, we don't know if it's from God. We don't know if it's of demonic origin or if it's just part of life in a fallen world. But the fact is, we don't need to know where it came from in order to respond correctly. We need to remember this. Job didn't know the source of his problems at the time, but he was still responsible for his thoughts, words, and
0: actions. David, I think that we can say that the Lord may use this time of trials to get people thinking about eternal things, which is always a very good thought pattern. But on the other hand, we're also seeing a lot of misuse and abuse of Scripture as people are trying to work their way through this uncharted territory.
5: And that's exactly right, Jimmy. We definitely encourage people to turn to the Lord and His Word. And honestly, that may be the silver lining in all this. And actually, yesterday, there was a top headline on Dredge Report about this as well, a possible spiritual awakening in this country. On the other hand, it's not helpful when people don't interpret the Bible properly and then apply wrong conclusions to a crisis like this. And we often see this happening when tragedy strikes. For example, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about Psalm ninety one and that Pennsylvania pastor actually used this passage as well, and that psalm begins uh, this way He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. And then in verse six it continues with You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So the entire psalm is very comforting, and there are principles about God's love, care, and protection that we can apply. But if you study the details, this is actually a messianic psalm. And so while these are promises concerning the incarnate Christ, They aren't really promises to believers in general, and there's a difference between principles and promises. God's promises are like facts. They're always true, but principles are just generally true when it comes to application.
0: Well, I've got to say right now that I think this all brings us to another passage of Scripture that we're hearing frequently, especially right now, as we've heard before in other times of crisis and that is 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. That's concerning judgment, repentance, and restoration. Give us your thoughts on that, David.
5: Well, of course, I dealt with the use of that passage by Jonathan Kahn in The Harbinger when he linked the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, to God's judgment as well. And the passage says this, a very familiar passage, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the coronavirus pandemic would fall under the category of pestilence in the Bible, and it's something that God can use to bring judgment. However, the context of that passage is the dedication of the first temple and the Lord's words of both warning and comfort to Solomon. So this is a promise made to Israel that will restore his people as a nation if they repent in the face of judgment. But Jimmy neither American or nor any other country can claim these promises. This isn't a guarantee to us as a nation. But on the other hand, the Lord is gracious and he's loving and kind, and so we can take comfort in who he is as reflected in the in this passage, and we can find refuge and solace in our personal relationship to him, and if there is sin, there is forgiveness when we repent. You know, Jesus Rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith in a storm, but that rebuke wasn't because they didn't believe Jesus would save them. The problem was they weren't trusting Him for the outcome, whatever it might be. And you know, sometimes, even for believers, sometimes the boat does sink, even when we have great faith rather than fear.
0: This conversation, David, actually has reminded me that there is a technical interpretation of all of Scripture and in addition to that, a spiritual application. We just need to make sure which is it we're using when we're looking at a particular portion of God's Word. You did a great job on that, David. Thank you so very much. And for, in fact, the entire conversation, I think it was a good focus again this week here on Prophecy Today. Hey, buddy, stay well at your house, and uh, we'll talk again next week with another discussion on an issue of great concern.
5: Lord willing, we will talk next week.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to take the Bible, open up, we'll put together what our broadcast partners had to say, and we'll take a look at the book and see where we are in God's time for these days in which we're living. That's all ahead, right here on Prophecy Today.
3: Just how close are we to the rapture of the church? Do events taking place in the Middle East and around the world have prophetic significance? In his latest book, Sound the Trumpets, Jimmy DeYoung examines these questions and explains just how near the rapture of the church could possibly be. By comparing four trends from prophetic scripture to current events taking place in the world today, Jimmy shows that the stage is set. Every actor is in place, and the curtain is about to go up on the end-time scenarios set forth in the scriptures. Sound the Trumpets is a must-read for every serious student of Bible prophecy. To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's new book, Sound the Trumpets, for only $15, call us today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us on the World Wide Web at prophecytoday.com. Call today and make sure to get your copy of Sound the Trumpets.
0: It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, our broadcast partners came to the broadcast table with key reports. You know, this is a time in history that it is important for us to get this information. I would have to say that we must be living in the day of the rapture of the church. What a blessed hope, that glorious appearing of our Savior to take us into the heavenlies at the Rapture. As we see everything that is being reported by our broadcast partners and how all of this is happening around the world, we cannot fail to understand where we are in God's time. By the way, if you missed any of my conversations with my broadcast partners, go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. And there we have archived all of these reports so that you can listen to them when it's convenient for you to do that. And I would urge you to send this information along to a friend or a loved one. They need to hear these important reports on current events, setting the stage for Bible prophecy as well. Do that, and this will help get this word around the world to help everybody recognize where we are in God's time. On today's program, we heard from Ken Timmerman. He was there in southern France, and his main report was that the Muslim world is using the coronavirus to promote terror and hate. The Muslims see this as a catastrophe. They believe that that could bring back the Mahdi, the Muslim Messiah, and they also believe the coronavirus is going to be used to destroy non-Muslims or at least convert them to the Islamic faith. And they do see it as a path to a worldwide caliphate that is going to be set up in the city of Jerusalem. That is found as you study the information in God's prophetic word, talking about what will happen as it looks to Jerusalem and this alignment of nations to try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and have the Islamic world take over from that center of the world, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, David Dolan gave us a report on the new Israeli government that is in the process of being formed right now. Because of the coronavirus crisis, the political leaders got together. They made a decision for Israel, and not for themselves only, but for Israel and for the Israeli people. You know, Israel must have a strong political leadership in place to lead this nation into the future. Very important to understand God's plan for the Jewish people, which is an eternal plan. We can see it all unfolding As Ezekiel 38, Psalm 83, and Daniel chapter 11 become better into focus, an alignment of nations, Islamic nations led by Russia and its leadership, that will come and endeavor to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. Each and every day as we watch the activities there in the Middle East, and David gives us reports on this, we understand where we are in God's time. John Rood covers another important region of the world, the European Union. You know, European Union leaders are scared. All the borders are being put back in place. Remember, the European Union demolished these borders, but now because of the coronavirus pandemic, they're seemingly coming back into place. John's report was absolutely on target. Borders are coming back and being closed Because of the coronavirus crisis, they don't want it to come into their country. But let me remind you, the undergirding infrastructure is there, as talked about in the book of Daniel chapters 2 and 7, when we see the Gentile world powers coming into place during the tribulation period, and they will have a headquarters, first of all, in Rome, Italy, Revelation 17, and then that moves to Babylon the literal city of Babylon on the shores of the Euphrates River there in Iraq. That is foretold in Revelation chapter 18. European Union will come back together after this crisis has passed. That's absolute because it's God's word. Mike Gendron gave us more information about Pope Francis, making many moves towards the one world church that was foretold in Revelation chapter 17. That will be fulfilled. The fact is that there will be a false church. It's mentioned as the whore of Revelation 17 and the harlot. It's talking about a non-virgin, non-virtuous woman that's the opposite of the true bride of Christ, the church, which Paul wants to present as a chastened virgin. We're seeing all of this happening, a precursor to what is going to be fulfilled in Revelation 17. Our economic advisor, Ron Murrow, came to the broadcast table talking about the digital dollar. The digital dollars, very interesting. Remember, the Roman Empire had a common currency. And when you're looking for the fulfillment of the revived Roman Empire, they must have a common currency as well. As Ron said, this could be the digital dollar. And then David James and I concluded our conversations by focusing on the misuse of scripture in explaining this coronavirus pandemic. God's Word gives us a technical interpretation of every passage of Scripture and also a spiritual application. You need to study correctly what technically is the Lord saying with a passage of Scripture, and then much of the Scripture can then become a spiritual application for our lives as well. We need to study God's Word correctly and then teach correctly God's technical interpretation. You know, all of these reports that we have been talking about seem to be giving us more evidence which is going to help us to understand the next event on God's calendar of activities is about to happen. We make a compilation of the reports by our broadcast partners, put them all together, open the Bible, take a look at the book, and it says that the rapture is the next thing to happen. By the way, that rapture can happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say,
3: except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.